Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. We are on episode 27, and we are discussing all things Nintendo today. I am H.A. Conrad, here with my wonderful co-host, Ali Matu. Hello, Ali. How's it going, Conrad? Going well, and uh, we have a very special guest today joining us for this discussion because this is not Conrad's forte. So, uh, <laughs> with us today, we have Moira Fogarty, who hails from the great white north of Hello. Canada. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Moira, we are so excited to have you. You have been evoked on the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour a few times, and now here you are um, in person, kind of, on the internet. Kind of. This is as close as it gets for many people, you know, except <laughs> the very few fortunates. Yeah. Um, well, I, I hope that I'll be able to do justice to the wide, wide world of Nintendo and uh, not just the legacy items that I know inside and out, but the brand new Wii U, which... My household, apparently like every other household in the world, acquired a little late. Uh, we just got ours delivered three weeks ago. Um, so we have stopped showering and cooking and have just been playing Mario Kart 8 pretty much for the last month. It sounds uh, like what, what a lot of people have been doing the last month. So, <laughs> so this I'm ready is, to go. This is going to be a great panel. Um, we're talking the state of Nintendo. We're going to be mashing up some uh, video game giants in the Infinite Crossover Chamber. Conrad, who's who's in the chamber this week? Today we have Nintendo versus PlayStation, and it's a pretty interesting question that that you and Moira have come up with. <laughs> <laughs> the question of who will survive. Uh, this is going to be interesting. Um, and then um, our top five to today is top five Nintendo products. Um, this is going to be interesting. I can't wait to hear what you guys have on your list. So let's let's go ahead and get started. We've got a lot to talk about today. Um, you know, I'm, I would, I'm actually a little curious just to hear from each of you. How did um, how did you guys get introduced to the wonderful world of Nintendo? Um, well, I was introduced to Nintendo a time long ago and far away. <laughs> um, we got, um, we, we, for Christmas one year, we, we got our, you know, the, our first Nintendo games and game console and, um, we played, uh, Super Mario Brothers and Zelda until our little hands fell off. So yes, that was that was it, and I think we we all fought over it. Me and my many siblings, and I will admit that there were times when one or two people may have hidden said console, <laughs> so that you know we could basically get home and immediately find it, hook it up, and and be the first person on there after school. Wow. Well, yeah. I. I have to say, I'm pleased that I grew up as an only child because I never had those sorts of problems. Um, <laughs> but my first introduction was probably in really early, actually. I'm going to say 1983, 84. Um, my cousin, um, well, I, I have two cousins and their father was a pilot for Cathay Pacific. So he flew in and out of Hong Kong quite a bit. And he was an early gadget nerd. So he had some of the earliest computers I'd ever seen. And he brought back for us um, a game and watch system which was one of the first things. It looked like a DS, but it had Donkey Kong on it. Yeah. And I, I think I was about six or seven, so I played with it for about half an hour. And then I remember thinking, wow, that's really boring. And that was it. <laughs> um, until maybe 1994. 
four or five. And, and then I got the uh, classic NES. And from there, it was just um, a rolling series. Yeah, I've, I've actually owned just about every Nintendo system since then. Um, and I, I still have most of them. Uh, so the big one that I remember playing when I was younger that I think speaks a lot to what the direction is that Nintendo's gone in was Disney's Adventures in the Magic Kingdom I bet nobody else has played this. No, no. Um, it was a Capcom game, and it was a series of mini games, which is what they've gone into now with WarioWare, Nintendo Land, We Play, all that stuff. Um, and you had to go through, and the big prize at the end, if you answered a bunch of questions and made it through Disneyland, was the parade. Um, and we played it. It was a single player, but four of us played it together. And I clearly remember being so stoked and having rounds of high fives all around when we got to the parade. <laughs> and I've never felt that much pure joy about a video game since, really. So. Well, Moira, you're one of the few people I know who was introduced to Nintendo prior to NES. You played one of their original sort of portable kind of systems and they, they played around a lot themselves as a company with those products before they got to the NES. Um, so that's pretty cool. You know, I had um, my introduction is similar to, to both of you. Um, the big one was the um, Nintendo Entertainment System. I didn't have it. I was very jealous. My cousin Aisha, she had the NES, so I would uh, play it at her house um, with her and my other cousins, and that was a lot of fun. And I have these very vivid memories of playing. I, I think it was the Olympics game that had that pad um, that you could run on, and um, you know, of course, Duck Hunt and, and Super Mario, or just Mario Brothers back then. But my first Nintendo system that was mine and my own was the Game Boy. Um, that was the first system I owned. Prior to that, my family invested in the Commodore 64 and mm-hmm. uh, PC, personal computers and all of that. And I have lots of vivid memories of playing Pitfall and a bunch of other games uh, on the Commodore. But uh, the Game Boy was my very first system and I treasured it. Absolutely treasured it. Played hours and hours and hours of Tetris. Um, well, so, it, so some of us still do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's an amazing game. Um, so, also helps out with PTSD from what I hear. Really? Uh, yeah, apparently they use it um, as a tool because you can't make those little bo- blocks fit. You know, you can't focus on trauma and make those little box uh, blocks fit in place. So they oh. actually use it sometimes as a therapy tool. Interesting. Yeah, totally. It's um, um, it's just such a fascinating game, and and there's such a fascinating history with Tetris and how it was made in Soviet the Soviet Union without copyrights, and how it kind of went all over the place. Uh, so let let's talk about Nintendo a little bit. We've all kind of had um, our main exposure to Nintendo was in the '80s, and um, the rise of Nintendo I think is a very interesting story. We'll, we'll link to this in the show notes, but Play Value has a nice sort of documentary about um, uh, Nintendo and how they came to be and how they were this company that had the Super Famicom in Japan, and uh, there was this idea that video games might be a fad in America. And, um, you know, the PC computers, they were that's what was going to take over. But um, Nintendo rebranded the Famicom as a Nintendo Entertainment System, went door to door in New York City trying to convince stores to carry it, partnered with some resellers, got the Nintendo in stock, 
it started selling and then it was game over when Mario Brothers came out. Um, Nintendo just took off and Atari was nowhere to be seen and um, the, the rest is sort of history. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah, go, go no, for it. No, I was going to say it. I, and, you know, as a person who loved my Atari, I really did. But when you compared it to what was on Nintendo and to those games, it, there just really was no question. And it was amazing. And a little bit like crack. Um, <laughs> I just know I remember hours and hours and hours and playing this game. And obviously, in addition to my siblings and I trying to hide the <laughs> hide it from each other so that we would get to be the one to play it. Um, it was just this time consuming thing. You were just obsessed with getting to the end of, of these these puzzles, basically. I think you kind of nailed the nailed it, uh, or you hit the nail on the head right there, Conrad. It was this time-consuming thing. One of the cool things about that original NES is it was such a departure from what we saw before it. Atari, the controller, while very iconic, was very much uh, based on what we saw in the arcades a little bit, and NES had this different controller. And the whole once we get to Zelda, um, it, it was about long-form gaming, and even with Mario Brothers, it was a different way of gaming where it wasn't just about eating your quarters and then trying to get you to insert more coins in and trying to get you to die as quickly as you can so they can get more money but it was about long-form gaming i mean it seems like the nes was a game changer long-form gaming also talking to your friends about the different shortcuts you know like like the cool little things you could yeah the easter eggs the easter eggs definitely were a, a thing that people started to like you know, buy books about so you could be as cool as your friends or outdo them and know which, you know, completely invisible part of the screen where you jump and you, suddenly a box is there. Um, right. But- and I mean, and it was a little bit, you, you had some of this in earlier gaming. I mean, I think there's always a little bit of those kinds of things. Game designers have always had yeah. this thing about putting secret messages in games and, and putting them there for people to find. But this well, was the point yeah. where it became everybody could talk about it, you know? Ernest Klein has written about that in uh, Ready Player One, which I know I know you guys reviewed already. So uh, <laughs> Easter eggs, they're a big thing. But I, I think the other thing that set Nintendo, early Nintendo games apart for me, was that when you were comparing, for example, playing uh, Sega, which I know is something else that uh, Kamra likes to speak to, you know, Sega demanded absolute perfection every time to get from the start of the level to the end of the level. If Sonic fell and lost his rings in a pit of spikes... That's it. Start at the beginning, sucker. Whereas with Mario Brothers, they had save points. And that was huge for me because I'm actually not a very good gamer. I'm really uncoordinated. My hand eye blows. <laughs> um, but if I can, you know, just get a little bit further every time, that's where the crack comes in. That's where you start to get very um, caught up in the idea that I have done this. I'm doing it a second time. And the second time, I'll be better and I'll know more. Um, and that's what makes the replayability of Nintendo games such that. I mean, not only do they have it on the NES, you can still play Super Mario Brothers on the Wii U. Like, how many years later, right? Like, they keep remaking these games because they never get old. Well, and there's so many innovations there that happened with the NES. And um, you're talking about the replayability. I think with Zelda, they had the battery in there that allowed you to save the game. And it was Mm -hmm. this, it wasn't just a, it was about a story and letting that story unfold. And I think we're, we're dancing around um, the elephant in the room here, but uh, Shigeru Miyamoto, 
Um, he is the soul of Nintendo, and um, he is the the brain behind so many of these great Nintendo games, whether it is Mario Brothers or Zelda, um, Star Fox, um, and going all the way to Super Mario Galaxy. Um, he's the individual that created the rules for how these video games work, and I think those basic ideas of going through a level learning new skills, um, having those skills tested with a mini boss, and then getting to a next level and learning all new skills that and everything culminating in a final boss that challenges every single thing you know. That was Miyamoto, and that was Mario Brothers, and that was Zelda. And that is something that is still the core DNA of how video games work. He, he is... So much of Nintendo is not only the hardware, but also the innovation of the video games. Yeah, and the fact that he's still there, um, pretty much at the helm of the company, and still directing where they're going to go is a huge thing. Like That does not happen very often in any kind of corporation that's been around as long as Nintendo's been around. Nintendo has been around forever, since before the 1900s, when they were making playing cards. Um, admittedly, <laughs> not Miyamoto himself. He's obviously not that old, unless he's that would be cool. something from us. It would be so be. cool if he was, <laughs> if he's like this superhuman thing. Yeah, I, I, you know, the Japanese, they're very, uh, they have longevity on their side. It could be true. Um, <laughs> I'm not willing to just throw that out as an idea. But I think, well, more, I think the only comparison re- we really have here is Steve Jobs and Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, Steve Jobs is no longer with us. But I think that uh, some of these ideas about what makes these two companies unique and how they are so much that um, they are a part of the soul of uh, of these individuals. Um, it, it's hard to unlink Nintendo and Miyamoto, um, just like it is hard to unlink Steve Jobs and Apple. And that's a whole nother episode uh, with Apple. But um, it, it is he's so much linked to this. Mm-hmm. Definitely. What do you guys think it is that sets Nintendo apart? I mean, we've talked about Apple, um, and I think there is this. There's something about Nintendo where the software and hardware connection, and um, I think there's something unique here. What, what is it about these systems and the games that Nintendo creates? Definitely. I mean, I I speak as a Canadian here when I say that um, I think there's a lot of danger in linking software and hardware, which is not the message Nintendo always puts forward. They say that software is what sells hardware. Um, And that, I think, is why they're so protective about having it on their systems and nobody else's. Like, you cannot play Mario Brothers on your iPhone unless you use an illegal emulator, um, for which Nintendo has always had a a zero-tolerance policy, right? They're very public about that. They say that it not only infringes on their intellectual property, but also harms the developers. Um, But in in my country, BlackBerry has been a big story in the news recently where, for a long time, they had both the software and hardware completely linked. Um, They got in early on the corporate front, and then BlackBerry Messenger, which was a... um, basically early text messaging, but with more locks and definitely went between people who were in business, um, was a big reason why people wanted to stay with BlackBerry. And now they're tanking, like they are really having a hard time. And part of it, I think, is because they were so unwilling to put different operating systems onto their hardware and so unwilling to unlink their software from it. And I I worry that that's the same problem that Nintendo may have. Um, But they're so married to it. They like to make toys. They like to make things Um, And I know we'll go into peripherals a little bit later, which is a huge part of Nintendo. But I I truly think that 
they're gamblers is what makes Nintendo for me. They go out on a limb. They try things that nobody else has tried. And then way later, people pick up those crumbs of ideas and form whole companies out of them. Like, you know, as much as it was a commercial disaster, they had the virtual boy in 1990. (laughs) And you cannot tell me that that thing is not an early prototype for the Oculus Rift. Yeah. Um, Like, I'm sure that if Nintendo does survive, and I guess I'm showing my hand a little bit here for the the show off, but they're going to be the people who bring us the holodeck. It it might end up being like the the Wii deck and, you know, it'll probably have to get plugged into like the Wii 3000 as a peripheral, but they are so always willing to go out on a limb and always willing to try something different. By evoking Star Trek and Nintendo, you just majorly um, pushed the right <laughs> buttons for me, Moira. <laughs> I, th- I mean, this is, I, I really like what you said here about they make toys. And they originally tried to market uh, the, the Super Famicom in America as a computer, and that didn't work. But then they shifted their marketing a little bit, turned it, uh, rebranded it as a Nintendo Entertainment System, got it in with, uh, with this sort of idea of selling it as a toy. And I don't think they see hardware and software separately. And you're right here. They say software is what drives hardware. And that's a line that Reggie has been saying recently here in America um, with the disappointing Wii U sales. And we'll get into that in a little bit here, too. But they see this as one singular product. Mm-hmm. And um, time and time again, we've seen that from Nintendo. And uh, you're also talking about peripherals. Let's let's get into peripherals. It has started. The Nintendo legacy has started with these interesting peripherals. Duck Hunt and the yeah. and then NES Zapper. That um, Zapper, I love that thing. Oh yeah, were you guys also? Did you spend so many hours trying to figure out how it worked yes. when you were young? Yeah, yeah. I I don't think I still know how it works. How how did that thing work? You obviously didn't break it apart enough. Uh, I got to tell you, <laughs> a lot of it involves soldering. So just probably if you still have one, you should hang on to it because it's now an eBayable item. But <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I think um, I, I think mine is still in my attic at my mom's house. So it's it's lasers. Basically, it's lasers. I'm just making that up. That's not how it works at all. But I mean, yeah, they've they've done incredible stuff. They had like wearables before wearables were a thing. Yeah. You know, like if you're a hipster, you should be so into Nintendo because they had that power glove way before people are now starting to talk about like you know hand things and they're like watches that can give you your email. We had like you know maracas that you could play games with that's amazing (laughs) do you remember do you remember the power glove ads though it was so exciting it was always this kid dressed in this so cool and and then when you actually got it it was like what does this even really do excruciatingly disappointing it was the ads were much more of a an exciting thing than the actual power glove but, it weren't no zapper well it, it it was sort of i kind of saw it as this like michael jackson glove that's like souped up with technology um and it was a little captain eo a little like you know other stuff but um yeah this is this gets back to the idea of experimentation whether it's a power glove uh, whether it's a donkey kong bongos um and and then le- kind of leapfrogging forward to the wii and all the peripherals we see with the wii nintendo isn't um isn't afraid of experimenting yeah and that's what makes them great. And I mean, it's interesting, too. I know we'll be talking about this much later on, but um, where they're going towards the future, they've been starting to talk about the idea of uh, non-wearable technology. And I want to know what they mean by that. They're talking about um, you know, quality of life as a future thing because a lot of people associate gaming. And I must admit, I have been to a couple of 
Penny Arcade Expos and I love my people. We are not a fit people. We spend a lot of time sitting on our <laughs> bedonkadonks and like, you know, if you're going to be a good gamer, you're not out jogging. Like it's not exactly a healthy lifestyle because of the nature of gaming being very sedentary. But Nintendo was one of the first people to say, okay, well, let's, let's make it less sedentary. Let's make a Wii Fit scale that will also act as a balance board. Let's turn it into Wii Sports. Let's give people tennis rackets. Like, even if they're just doing it in their living room, at least they're doing something. They're standing up, uh, which then ballooned into, like, you know, the idea of Dance Dance Revolution, all that kind of thing. So I, I think they're moving towards a different perspective on gaming, a healthier look at gaming, um, which is a great thing and necessary. Well, I think that uh, so, I mean, we're going to be talking about lots of different systems and games and stuff like that in our top five. But I think a, a nice thing to, to bring up here now is the Wii. The Wii was a massive experiment. It was a radical departure from the other systems. So while Microsoft was launching the Xbox 360 and going with more power and play and Sony was going with the PlayStation 3, its cell processor, including Blu-ray into mm-hmm. it. Um, uh, more power as well. Nintendo said, oh, no, no, hold on. We're, we're going to go in a different direction. We're going to cut down on uh, the specs here. We're going to make this a little bit more affordable. Um, we aren't introducing HD. We're not going to have um, a next generation optical uh, um, device here. We are going um, with a motion controller. We're going to put this thing that you probably haven't heard of, but it's going to be really big in a few years. It's going to be in all your cell phones. We're going to put an accelerometer here in to the controller and check out these cool games and check out in Zelda what you're going to be able to do and now look at this um, I don't remember what that game was but it was a launch title with like sword fighting and stuff like that Um, and the Wii then later on added in all of these health um, aspects and you Mm -hmm. had Wii Sports where it was probably one of the first games since you know Nintendo's older games that Olympic game I mentioned before where you are playing standing up you were moving. You were doing things. Yeah. Um, the Wii was a radical experiment for Nintendo, and it paid off. They, they made a ton of money off the Wii. Well, and that, that idea, too, is that I think that another thing that makes Nintendo unique is they're very much child-conscious and family-conscious in the sense that uh, constantly while you're playing the Wii, they'll give you a reminder, if you are playing a sit-down game, They'll say, hey, maybe you should remember to get up every now and again and have a stretch. Like, don't forget to turn <laughs> off the machine. Um, yeah, it, that's where it has an open window. And I always looked at that and it was like, hey, don't you want to open your window, get some air in here? Probably smells. <laughs> You've been playing this video game for a long time. <laughs> You've got gamer stink. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Essence of gamer. But it's also that not a lot of other systems actually make games that are really, truly child appropriate. Um, it's the same problem that we have with comic books. A lot of them are for... 18 plus. And, you know, how are you supposed to get people into the industry if they're starting once they're already adults? It's a big problem. Whereas, you know, anybody of any age can pick up almost any Nintendo game and just start playing. Um, and they've got very basic step-by-step um, helpers to help you through the game to the point that I, as an adult, now find them deeply annoying. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Monita, you whore, <laughs> get off my face. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. But like, you know, that, that is a thing that I think is amazing for them. And I know one of the next things that we wanted to discuss, I'm completely skipping over backwards compatibility. It's online play. I want to talk about it. Um, I'm interested here a little bit with Conrad. We haven't heard from you in a while. Is is this, is this when, (laughs) 
No, I'm just curious. Conrad, is is this when you departed from um, console gaming? I, you know, I didn't, uh, I didn't get, I've, I have played on the Wii, actually, I think at Moira's house <laughs> many years ago. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, it made me think in terms of, and I was thinking the same thing, just in terms of the adding in the physical element, and that was an interesting piece, but it wasn't, you know, and I always, I remember watching uh, Total Recall when when Sharon Stone plays Arnold Schwarzenegger's evil wife and she's playing tennis and thinking, oh, maybe this is what they're going for. You know, you play the tennis and if you get the, the form right, then it gives you a gold star or whatever and could see that being an interesting aspect and a better aspect for a lot of people. As Moira points out, uh, the 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 Penny Arcade PAX crowd is not always the most fit. Um and I, you know, I'm guilty of this as well, just with other things that I do in, in terms of binge watching and things like that. Um, I tend to, when I game now, I tend to game on my phone, on my commute. Um, I don't have a console. I certainly don't have multiple consoles. <laughs> um, I am a fan of the emulators, so that takes out a lot of Nintendo stuff. Mm. Um, you know, and, and it's... I find, you know, I think Moira's correct, though, is that if you are getting into gaming, I think Nintendo is a much better um, system in terms of people who have never played before, whatever, getting into, to the point of being annoying, as she pointed out. But I think much more so than any of the, the sort of online gaming forums and things like that, I think it's much more accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and I wonder, and I wonder if other people or other other developers are thinking about that in terms of like, okay, well, if we make this game so that really only hardcore gamers can play it and have to like gather up whatever things they have to gather up and get to the certain levels, is that just knocking out an entirely new generation of gamers? Well, it, it, I think I don't think your your story here is uh, is is the outlier. I think a lot of people um, are in the same boat as you. And when when the Wii came out, Nintendo completely shifted their direction as a company. Um, if we look at the '90s and the the trends there, um, arcades disappeared, and in America at least, and um, and maybe in Canada as well. I don't know more. Well. Uh, Except for in Portland, of course, because the 90s are still alive. <laughs> Portland. Yeah. And, and so we also had Sega, who was the big competitor to uh, Nintendo for, throughout the 90s. They had to fold. They couldn't keep up. They, were, they made too many systems, burned a lot of their, their user base by going from Saturn very rapidly. Well, going from the, from the Genesis to the 32X to the Sega CD to the Sega Saturn to the Sega Dreamcast. Uh, people just couldn't keep up. They folded, became software only, and then we got Sony, and that'll take us to the crossover a little bit later. But when the Wii came out, they sort of, I don't want to say they folded on um, pushing technology and and getting that quote-unquote hardcore gamer um, audience, but they, they went for this weird mix of accessibility and their core competencies of of Mario of Smash Brothers and all of that and i think it's had 
it, it brought in a lot of new people. I think it brought in a lot of older people. I know um, a lot of people of my parents' generation love the Wii, and it brought in some casual gamers. But it also lost a lot of people who said, you know what, I I want to go play Halo on the Xbox. Um, Final Fantasy isn't on Nintendo systems anymore. I'm going to go pick up the PlayStation. The Wii was a departure point uh, for for many gamers. Yeah, it took them in a very different direction. And I mean, I think if you look at it, one of the biggest things that it's done, it set them as being a company that's interested in making an experience that will be good for a number of people in one room, as opposed to a huge number of people in hundreds of different rooms, possibly on different continents, which is what a lot of the other uh, gaming systems are going for, right? Like if I'm playing Halo on my Xbox, I can be playing with... um, you know, one of Comrade's family members in Colorado, or I could be playing, you know, I, I could be playing with anyone in any country. We don't have to be in the same room. We can still chat. But if you're playing on the Wii, if you're Wii bowling, you're Wii bowling with someone standing right next to you looking like just as much of an <laughs> idiot as you are with your Wii nunchuck and your Wii, Wiimote. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's very much about bonding in a space as opposed to bonding in a virtual space, like a but physical space. That's a great way to frame this debate about online play now. And mm-hmm. um, whereas Nintendo's going for uh, local experiences, physical experiences, and these other consoles are going for for uh, online experiences. I recently had the experience w- um, of inviting some of my coworkers um, over to play video games just a couple of months ago, and these are um, these are a bunch of um, a bunch of guys who haven't played um, the last probably the last generation and a half of video games. Um, so they were busy with uh, with school or other stuff. They just never got into it. And so uh, I wanted to introduce them to the Wii, to the Xbox 360, and I asked a bunch of my friends, and those are the two systems I own right now, um, and I asked my friends, uh, my gamer friends, what do you recommend to play on the Wii? And it was very clear. Like they said, play Mario Kart. That's, totally. that's what you want to play. And play then I said, I said, what about the Xbox? And they're like, um, Halo, that's about it. There aren't many good four-player four local games on the Xbox anymore. It's primarily an online system. So there, there is this departure where most, most of the other systems, since uh, with the current generation, the Wii U, um, PlayStation, the new PlayStation, as well as uh, the new Xbox, as well as the previous generation, the Wii, the Xbox 360, the PlayStation 3. Um, the Wii was really the only one that was focusing on multiplayer local games. Yeah, and I think that's nice. I think it's um, it's very much, to me, an idea of Japanese values because um, it's it's that idea of sort of family culture and having like people together in a space. It's, it's like when I went to uh, Japan, I ended up doing karaoke in a small room with just my intimate friends, as opposed to standing in a bar uh, on a stage in front of a people I didn't know. That's and, the best way to karaoke. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really different attitude towards things. And uh, I think it's nice. I mean, it's good for little kids, but it's also good for drunk 20 or 30 somethings who are looking to blow off steam. And if I had one too many beers and like, dude, let's bowl <laughs> or let's play Super Smash Brothers, you know, let's play Mario Kart. It's it can be a really good time. But I also I also think that just culturally, you're talking about 
the popularity of arcades, arcade games and things like that. But in Japan, there was a lot more of that going on with the Dance Dance Revolution and all this stuff where people are actually going out and as a social thing are, yeah. are going out and playing games in addition to karaoke and all that, which is very different than what has been going on here in America. I mean, I yeah. think there's been a resurgence and there's definitely, I mean, I think Ready Player One is is showing some of that nostalgia for these times. Um, and you've, you've seen different documentaries like The King of Khan and all this stuff coming out where there's definitely a subculture of people that are super into some of these classic games and this this experience. But that has not been the overall gamer experience as it's been basically evolving. Mm-hmm. So. You're totally right, Conrad. The the arcade collective experience has con- never stopped evolving in Japan. It continued from the 90s, and um, that that it, Nintendo is tapping into that aspect of the culture there. But I gotta tell you, um, the the online play or the 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 poorly intima- uh, implemented online play on the Wii was one of my. Uh, I think the big one of the biggest failures of mm-hmm. of the Wii. Um, I still, to the, you know, I haven't upgraded to the Wii U yet, and we'll get into that in a moment. Um, but I still play Mario Kart Wii all the time. It's my fiance's favorite game. Um, she kicks my butt in it so hard, um, and uh, we we still play it whenever we have friends come over. Um, but I've got good friends um, who are located, you know, farther far, farther away from me, and I would have loved to have spent all those years playing uh, Mario Kart with them. Um, it just it had this weird friend code system, um, and it, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been a problem. I mean, I I have played in the Wii U and it looks like it's kind of like getting undesirable text messages from people you don't know, which is sort of bizarre. (laughs) Like you'll be playing a game and there'll just be this pop up and it'll be like Bob from Arkansas says that level was real hard. And do I need to know that Bob thought that level was really hard? I don't know. Do I need to be subjected to his typos and lack of English language? Maybe not. Um, Also, people use it. It, it could be cool, and it has been cool in other Nintendo implementations. Like, um, one of my favorite things about being at the Penny Arcade Expo when the DS first came out, or, well, not the DS first came out. I, I had a DSi at that time, but it was before the 3DS, was that people were doing um, huge collaborative games of Puzzle Quest where you could just go and, like, you'd stand near someone and you'd agree to have a match, and then you'd, you know go against one another head to head and whoever won would go up the ladder. Um, and people were also doing picto chat, which was something they had on the DS where you could like just draw a picture and post it. So the people who were, um, near to you, like it's near technology, near, near ID would be able to pick up on it. And that was kind of fun because people were actually taking the time to draw something beautiful, but more often than not when it's on the Wii U, it's just scribbles and it's not even like, trying hard to be good uh it's people scribbling giving the bird to someone or like drawing a penis it's it's not good (laughs) well Um, but but that is that's the other side of the argument here right is the social part of uh the portable gaming um has been a complete success on nintendo's end um the the original ds while it was a little ugly as a system um has been um and and its descendants now the ds Lite, um the um the 3ds and all of that 
um, they've had some really cool social gaming. Some of my um, favorite gaming experiences was getting a lot of people together and playing um, Mario Kart DS together. Um, mm-hmm. And then they have these, um, uh, Moira, you probably know this better than I do, but they have these different games where if you have your DS in sleep mode and you're walking around and there's someone else, it transmits information from DS to DS and you can pick up on on stuff and you can unlock stuff and things like that. Um, yeah, it's kn- like geocaching sort of. It's a cool idea. It's a really cool idea. Um, and it's, yeah, it, it's it's really that stuff has really taken off. Well, and I mean, they I, it surprises me that it's taken us this long to get around to talking about their portable stuff, because in all honesty, um, it's in a class of its own to, to many degrees. Like the things you could do with the DS were amazing. The DSi came with two cameras at a time where my phone didn't even have a camera. Um, and it took pretty good pictures, too. They've always incorporated educational pieces into it. There was a music maker in it that was extremely fun. I had a great time uh, taking photos of myself and my cousin and using some of the special effects like the sort of like pseudo photoshop things to turn our faces into like squishy faces or huge faces um (laughs) and these are things that nintendo doesn't even market it's just a a piece of the hardware for them it's free downloadables they also had a free browser on it so if you needed to check your email you could um so i i think it's unfortunate because they're still never going to take that market away because they're not willing to turn their their hardware into phones, which is what would effectively make it something that then, say, Conrad could be on her commute and still get her email and still be able to call people. Um, but you can't do that with a DS. You can't do that with a 3DS. It's exclusively a toy just for gaming, and it always will be. I don't see Nintendo going that direction at all. The only thing they're willing to learn from phone makers or uh, you know, let's say Apple and Android and uh, Miyamoto has talked about this was the idea that they need to bring their hardware divisions together so that the the folks who are working at Nintendo on the 3DS are also working with the people who are creating the Wii U so that they're making compatible hardware where mm-hmm. they can share different games between different platforms. Because um, right now you can buy a game on an iPad um, you know, prob- probably play it in your browser on your MacBook Pro, probably play it on your iPhone. Um, and you can't do that with Nintendo. You have to buy it separately every time. And the functionality is so wildly different between the Wii U and the 3DS that there's no way that it, as a programmer you could create a game that would work effectively on both yeah. platforms, right? Well, it, so the portability, the portable division of Nintendo has been one of their crown jewels. Um, the Game Boy is one of the uh, their early successes, and and, it, and its descendants. And there were many of them in the '90s with the Game Boy Advance, the Game Boy Pocket, the Game Boy Color, all of those. Um, so in my day job, I work with a lot of kids, and I work with a lot of teenagers and young adults. And there's a very interesting trend I've noticed. This is completely anecdotal. I'm not using any data here. I'm just talking about the people I see. Um, what I've noticed is with my uh, with the teenagers that are my patients and uh, many of the young adults, um, when they're in the waiting room, many of them are playing on their DS, on their 3DS. And they all turn the 3D off. I don't think anyone uses the 3D. I hate the 3D. Yeah, it, it just hurt, it burns your... It, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds it me of... It burns. Yeah, it reminds <laughs> me of using the Virtua Boy and the way that that kind of burned my eyes. Um, 3D is never a good idea. Sorry, guys. Oh, no. Um, the Super Fantastic isn't. Nerd Hour is not a fan of 3D. Mm. Um so, but the the teenagers and young adults are playing the 3ds 
young kids, the kids below um, 10, 11, 12, they're playing on a tablet. They're playing on a phone. They're playing on a um, some type of mobile device that's either Android or iOS-based. Um, that is an interesting trend where those, um, n- uh, those kids are really much more comfortable with touch. And of course, a DS had touch before um, other people had touch and had that interesting stylus use. But um, touch and mobile gaming is kind of the future there. And Conrad, that's, that's what you play now. And you're right, Moira, Nintendo's drawn a line in the sand here saying um, that's not a market we're going to get into. We are going to continue to make these toys that are separate experiences. Well, they have gotten into touch a little bit, but I mean, and Conrad, I'd like you to speak to this too, just shortly, but um, the idea that there is a generational difference between how you, how you feel comfortable interacting with video games is so true, even in the fact that with, you're going to find this weird, I'm sure, with Mario Kart 8, you actually turn the controller. Not, not that you're not doing that already on the Wii with the, um, the handheld Wiimote, but it feels so much weirder when you're looking at the yeah. screen and tilting. Um, and I used to do that as a little girl when I was trying to play any kind of racing game. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd have like the Xbox controller in my hand or the PlayStation controller, and I'd be like contorting my body to the left and the right. And my friends would be laughing at me being like, you know, that's not actually going to make your car stay on the course any better. You'd really just need to use the pad. So I've been trained to use manual finger touch controls. And now they've finally made it so that I could just turn the whole damn pad. And it feels so foreign to me, so wrong. Um, it's taking a long time for me to get into it. And that is my excuse for losing today at the 50 CC mushroom cup. And I'm sticking to it. (laughs) End of story. Um, but comrade, like, do you, did you feel that weirdness when you were like transitioning from a, a manual pad to like something more wave it like a wand at the television and suddenly your thing's moving? Well, you know, it's interesting because I, a friend of mine lent me, um, his DS Lite to to just see the difference because I had been playing Tetris on my phone and I'd been playing these other games on my phone and he was just like well you have to you have to see what the difference is it's like totally different and it is it's but I actually found the phone to be a lot more intuitive and and to learn how to deal with the games on there and then when I tried to play the Wii at your house I was miserable at it Um, because it's just, it's a totally different set of rules and I have it ingrained in me that, you know, this does, this controls this in this way and there's limitations to using a controller. Um, there's ways to hold it so that you don't have your hands cramp up and whatever (laughs) and all this crazy stuff. And now they're actually, I think, making things, I don't want to call them ergonomic and, and, but they kind of are, um, well, there is a touch screen on the gamepad. Like w- when you get a Wii U, as you all will after listening to this show, I'm sure, um, <laughs> or probably because of Super Smash Brothers, um, it's it's weird. Or Star a, Fox, probably because of Star Fox. Or Star Fox, or Mario Maker, or <laughs> shall I say it, Yoshi's Woolly World? That's what I'm oh, waiting yeah. for. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah, I'm a knitter. I love it. Um, <laughs> there's so many good things, and I know we're going to talk about 2015 and what that's going to mean for Nintendo, but. Um, 
I, I, can we sort of go into crowdsource creations a little bit? Well, I mean, I think one of the things I just want to mention here that's so fascinating about what you guys are talking about is the, the generational differences. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nintendo came out in an era when um, many adults thought there was something weird and strange about video games. Now, um, the people that were growing up on Nintendo are adults. We know video games are just another form of, in- of entertainment, just like books and films and TV shows. And so video games have become legitimized. But are we kind of holding ourselves back here a little bit? Because when I play Mario Kart, whether it's on the Wii or when I'm playing at my friend's Wii U, um, I don't want to use the tablet thing. I don't want to use the wheel in the air. I want to use the nunchuck and the Wii mode in my hand and use it like I've played every video game system prior. That's how I play the Wii U. And I look at young kids nowadays, and not even young kids, but people who are gaming but might not identify themselves as gamers they're playing on their phone on their on their tablets it's all touch based Mm -hmm. so it's this interesting difference in generations that's based upon the interface you're used to well maybe but i i I don't know i think you can rewire your brain to do the other things as well ali oh totally i mean Um, the brain is a very cool plastic thing like i Uh, think some of it i think some of what allows me to kind of go between the different things is because i was not doing some of these i was not you know buying the new consoles and and trying this stuff out so i'm just a little bit you know it's it's almost like okay i'm not really married to that idea Mm. of gaming yeah the learning curve is always painful that is no matter what happens like i borrowed my partner's android phone while we were traveling and i i usually use an iphone and it was like being in hell i just i could not (laughs) understand it i started slapping the, the screen I was streaming abuse at it. It was very unfortunate. And it, you're right. It's the same. You you can grow to learn to know anything. You just have to put yourself through that really difficult couple of weeks where you're back to being a child again and you're learning from scratch. Well, okay. So speaking of learning to uh, to grow into a, a new thing, Moira, Wii U. Yes. What uh, are your thoughts? I have one. Um I was a little nonplussed at first. I have to admit, my when Christmas came around this past year, uh, both my mother and my partner's mothers, not having, since we have not yet spawned, so they don't have people to buy tiny onesies for, they were like, what console should we buy you? Do you want the Wii U? <laughs> <laughs> you 30-year-old people, come on. And we said no. Uh, we didn't want it because we hadn't heard of any amazing games that had come out for it. And like Nintendo says, software sells hardware. And it, it is also a, a function of life. Like, we own a house now. I have a garden that I have to maintain. I cook my own food. You know, I commute to work. The amount of timing and disposable time that I have to game is less. And I already own, like, what, six gaming systems hooked up to my TV? And there's only so many HDMI ports on my television. So uh, it became a sort of strategic thing. Like, well, okay, well, if we buy that, what are we going to unhook to make room for it? We use the PS3 to stream our, you know, Netflix. Um, we use the, you know, we're not going to unhook the Xbox, even though we haven't played it in like a year. Um, but eventually, as I said, last month, when Mario Kart 8 came out, that was it game over. We had to have it. We bought it. And it is a cool thing. It's a really interesting, uh, concept. I, one of the things I really liked, obviously first thing that we played on it was Mario Kart 8. It's amazing. There's some great levels, uh, some fun unlockables. It's just as good as it ever was. Um, But I actually am really intrigued, sort of slightly annoyed by, but intrigued by Nintendo Land, which 
is basically uh, what WarioWare has grown into. It's a showcase to show off what the new hardware can do. Um, and so it has a whole series of tiny mini games. And one of the ones that I like best um, in terms of sort of showing off what it can do, there's Donkey Kong's Crash Course, which shows up in all sorts of little videos about it, where you're you're sort of tilting the controller um, in, a, in an arcade fashion to sort of roll your little guy through a course. Uh, it does a lot of cool stuff. You blow into it to sort of um, elevate yourself up inclines. And I don't know, it's, it's a really neat feeling. And then for some of the multiplayer or two-player, we tried um, the Zelda Battle, which was really fun. Um, Metroid Blast, which was really fun targeting. Although I enjoyed doing that more with the old Wiimote and Nunchuck than with the new controller. And um, Yoshi's Haunt, or sorry, Luigi's Ghost Mansion, where one of you has the controller and you're the ghost. And the other one of you is looking at the screen with a Wiimote and moving it around. And you're Luigi hunting for the ghost with your flashlight. Um, and that was a really fun concept of having sort of two different screens playing the same game, but with a wildly different experience. It felt kind of like Scotland Yard, where one of you is Mr. X and the hmm. other one's like hunting for you. Um, and I love it when Nintendo does that, when they're just trying to sort of be like, here's what we can do. You know, we, we only had the time and the resources to make these tiny mini games to show off our capabilities. Um, but just wait, there's going to be stuff coming. And I, I hope that not everybody takes the attitude that Ubisoft has. I have to admit, Ubisoft are kind of on my hit list right now. I'm super not pleased about the... So, <laughs> so what, what was it that you, yeah. Ubisoft did? Uh, Ubisoft in Assassin's Creed Unity basically said that they didn't have the resources to create a female playable character. Yeah. Um, there are females in the game, but they're all sort of bending over to get milk and being leered at by random soldiers. Uh, and I'm just annoyed. I think it's, I, I recognize all of the practical reasons why it might be expensive. I also recognize that, hi, maybe plan for that from the beginning, guys. Like, try a little bit harder for my market. If you want my money, you're going to have to accommodate me. And not just me. Like, I have watched my partner play all three Mass Effects as Femshep. Uh, he loves playing female characters. He's like, why wouldn't I want to play a character where every time she takes clothes off, I'm looking at a naked woman. Come on. Like, <laughs> <laughs> seriously. Um, but, you know, like that's, I think it's just, it's belittling both men and women not having both genders available. And it shortens the game options for sort of various things like romances, which I know we're going to get into in the diversity segment. Uh, means you can't do a lot of things that you could do otherwise. Well, I also, I also think that it is discounting the fact that the, the gaming market and the, the people who play games, there's men, women, everybody involved. And this is just such a that is just such a very lame excuse, in my opinion, and in, in making a when you're investing that much money in, into developing a game and that's your excuse. Give me a break. Yeah, it occurs this- to me only now that you might have been asking me a totally different question, which was what, what did Ubisoft do to Nintendo, which would have been more on topic. <laughs> well, I mean, Sorry. well, we're on the topic of diversity here. I think, you know, we, we know that half of all gamers are women. We know that this is a diverse market and um, it's, it's pretty stupid of Ubisoft to do that. Um, but here, Nintendo's a little guilty as well. I mean, this is the company that gave us Samus um, in one of the most um, mind blowing revelations um in gaming history a lot of people played through the original metroid and then when it's revealed at the end that this character is female uh 
people were shocked. And so this is the the heritage of Nintendo. However, where Nintendo is now, um, there's been a lot of criticism of Mario Kart and how all the characters are white um, or they're like Donkey Kong, I guess. Um, and there was a Tama. What was it? Uh Tomodachi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was some controversy there that Nintendo did not allow. They only allowed male and female unions, and it's a Sims-like game. And while they said, quote, we apologize for disappointing many people by failing to include same-sex relationships, um, unfortunately, it is not possible for us to change this game's design and and such a significant development change can't be accomplished with a post-ship patch. Um, and John Oliver, Moira, you sent us his coverage of that, which was uh, great. Nintendo said, we are committed to changing this in the future. But um, where Nintendo is right now in regards to diversity, I don't know if it's doing that much better than Ubisoft. It's not sort of um, flipping its finger off at, at gamers, but it's it's not it hasn't really done much to to push itself since Samus. Yeah, well, I mean, Ubisoft right now is actually punishing Nintendo to a certain degree by saying that they're not going to release games for the Wii U until more people buy Wii U's. They're saying six million units sold is not enough, and they won't give an actual number. They're not like once you guys make it to ten. Absolutely. We're on board. They're just saying, yep, no, we've had a game made. We're ready. We've had a couple games. We've got them sitting there in the hopper. They're all ready to go. Had them for six months. But we're going to wait till you get to a critical point before we put them out um, because we don't want to waste our marketing dollars on games that may not sell enough products to make it back. And I'm like, well, that's kind of a circular argument to some degree. If we're saying that (laughs) software sells hardware, don't you think releasing your games might actually help sell more Wii U units? Um, so well, and I, and I think the, the numbers here are concerning. So if we look at 2014, um, we have really one game out right now that is uh, is moving um, moving Wii U's, and that's Mario Kart 8. And it is a fantastic game. Yes, it's more of the same, but it's more of the same of an awesome game. And um, But if we look at other aspects here, um, Miyamoto has, uh, when the Wii U came out, he said, um, the key to this system is showing people why they need a console with their, with that game pad, with that tablet. Mm-hmm. And I think up to this point, while there's been some cool proofs of concept and, and some nice, um, n- nice games here and there, um, Nintendo hasn't necessarily been able to do that. They have been able to move those sales. Um, and then there's people like, like me. So I'm, I have a Wii, um, I have Xbox 360. I am debating what to upgrade to, and I'm I'm sort of in between here. I love the the first party Nintendo games, and then every now and then there's some of the more traditional games that I love. Um, I'm a huge fan of the Batman Arkham series, um, Arkham City, Arkham um, Arkham Asylum, and I can't wait for Batman Arkham Knight. And they said, "Sorry, we're not going to be on the Wii U." Um, Mm -hmm. And I think their explanation was it can't handle the Batmobile, um, but that's kind of a stupid explanation. (laughs) I mean, they're also talking about using the speaking of the the tablet specifically, um, using it not just in that sort of two player different screens way, but also different screens for different purposes. Like you don't both have to be playing the same game. So if my partner and I want to sit in the same room and I want to watch House on Netflix and he wants to play Mario Kart 8. He can do that on the tablet while I'm with streaming through the Wii um, watching Netflix on the big screen. 
And that's kind of neat. Like I, I know, th- and this is another way Nintendo's trying to sort of bring people together in the same space. I know that's bringing them together by making them sit next to one another doing completely different things. But for some people, including my household, that's bonding, right? Like we like to sort of be in the same room, you know, snuggled up on the sofa. But, you know, I'm not always going to want to watch Black Hawk Down and he's not always going to want to watch me play Chibi Robo. Is Nintendo too late to the party here, though, Um, with phones, with tablets, with computers? We can kind of already do that. And I mean, is that is the Wii U gamepad enough of a game changer here to replace some of those other devices i, I think how you framed it this is a very um uh, it's, it's a common problem that a lot of us have um what do i unplug to make room for this new console yeah that's true that is true which hdmi port you know gets gets a priority P.S. We solved that with a switcher. Just FYI. People, it, it can be done, folks. It can be done. Or buy a new TV. That was option B, and we're still thinking about that one. <laughs> Eight ports. Yes. Well, and then, Moira, there's these other trends that you were talking about before the show. Um, you Could you tell us a little bit about this whole idea of crowdsource creations? I, I do like it very much because I think um, – uh, the idea of educating yourself with video games, people joke about it a lot. Um, like I have friends who are absolute masters of Guitar Hero and they're like, damn, I feel like after investing 200 hours playing this game, I should be able to play a guitar. But you can't, right? Like it's it teaches you something about reading music, but it doesn't really teach you how to play a guitar. Um, so in terms of practical skills that video games can give you, Nintendo's done a lot in that market. It's done like Cooking Mama, uh, arguably, if you want to learn to be a surgeon, you could buy the DS game uh, Trauma Center Under the Knife, which is like <laughs> <laughs> you could buy the one with, uh, oh, I can't remember what it's called, Phoenix something, Attorney at Law, where he keeps saying, I object. Um, but the real thing. That does not is, sound like an exciting game. Oh, it's an amazing <laughs> game. It's an amazing what? game. Like, really? It's really funny. It's really good. Um, yeah. Anyway, you should try that out. I, I'll send you a link after this. But. Uh, cool. For actually learning how to do something, the best thing you can learn to do is how to build video games. And they do level creation. Um, this has become a big trend lately with Minecraft, people building their own levels. Little Big Planet does it to an extreme degree. You can really create a lot in that game. Um, and so Mario Maker is coming out soon. And it's sort of the the heir to Mario Paint, um, which was came out a long, long time ago. And most people nowadays who still sort of mess around with it, do it to make music because it has a a music maker in it. But I think Mario Maker, which will let you build your own courses, answers a lot of things. It means that it's always going to be fresh, always changeable, um, always that sense of play and creativity and not just smashing things down but building them up. Um, And it means that you can make it basically however you want it based on your skill level. So if you are a super gamer and, you know, you only get joy out of playing Zelda on hero level so that you're getting, you know, destroyed and there's no hearts around. You can build a really hard level. Or if you want to build something, you know, to your lesser skill level, like me, then you can build something where it's just <laughs> Mario walking along the ground. And then, whoa, look, there's the pole in the castle. You're done. No boss. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's a really interesting idea. And it's really giving more credit to the people who own the systems um, than a lot of other systems are. I, I don't know how it will weigh up next to Little Big Planet. I'll be curious to see, but I will be buying it when it comes out because I want to see what I can do with it. 
And that's one of those games that um, is is tapping into a trend, and it's it reminds me of a lot of the SimCity games and how much that was fun to create something and then destroy it um, and then create it back <laughs> up again. Um, and at the same time, like I am so torn here because I see I see things like Mario Maker and how interesting it looks, and then it uh, and how modern it is of of a game, um, and how that's very much a part of the of Nintendo's DNA, this creation, and you know Mario Paint and all those other games that you mentioned. Um, at the same time. I'm seeing more examples of Nintendo relying on its core characters. I'm seeing more examples of Nintendo um, having very simplistic avatars complete compared to what we see in other systems. Um, and something more you also mentioned before the show, um, the voice work and yeah. how they haven't really invested in um, the voice acting to the degree that we've seen in other games. That's very true. And I, I got to tell you, I don't see them outdoing PlayStation on Little Big Planet in that arena because they got Stephen Fry. Come on. <laughs> How can you beat this? It's unbeatable. This is the man who narrated the Harry Potter series, like as audiobooks. He's fantastic. I don't know. Get Hugh Laurie and have a battle. I, that's true. You could get Hugh Laurie. Um, okay. That's and Conrad has found rounds. the answer. That's fantastic. <laughs> or Conrad, would, email Nintendo. I would take. Benedict Cumberbatch in a pinch. Oh, this this is the best debate ever. (laughs) Who should narrate Mario Maker? But that's the thing. They won't have a narrator because they don't care about voice work. Sucks. Well, Well, and something I mean, that's the thing It's like there. There are definitely things that they've been doing lately that are a lot more interesting, as Moira has been pointing out. But are they going to be able to keep up? Um, is, Is this enough? Well, it, 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 this also, you know, we're talking about a company that experiments, and in in many ways, this is a company that is conservative, um, in in weird, strange ways, and they they don't really. Again, this kind of comes back to Apple. Apple never invests in the cutting edge technology. It never put a Blu-ray player into any of its devices. It um, hasn't invested in near field communication. Um, it, it sort of takes its time and does what it wants to do. And Nintendo's very same way. I feel like they're gambling everything on 2015. Um, Although, to be fair, I will just say Nintendo did invest in near-field communication for the Wii U. That's, that's uh, oh. all I'm Oh, interesting. That's I didn't how, know it's in there. It's, it's how the controller talks to the uh, main device. Oh, cool. True story. But, um, I, I mean, I'm going to go back and double-check that now because I'm worried that I'll have committed the ultimate sin of saying something untrue on a podcast, and I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's the case. Well, Moira, I I think you and I are on the same page here um, with uh, Nintendo being the clear winner of E3 this year. They were the company that had the most exciting titles that they were announcing. They're going back to some of their classics. Star Fox finally coming back. I'm so excited about that. Um, Very vivid, imaginative games. They're hoping 2015 is going to be this perfect storm um, and that'll really push sales. Um, I hope it's it's true. Um, But it's... I don't know. I'm I'm delaying this decision um, on what system to upgrade to see how 2015 plays out for Nintendo. You seem really worried. I don't. I I think that Nintendo has a lot on their side um, in terms of what they're doing. Right, they are most definitely reaching out to their core, you know, P 
people who love them by doing their own little mini E3s every week. They're giving like constant reporting on what they're developing. Um, they're doing some good sneaky marketing. They actually, I can't believe that I'm cross promoting Conan O'Brien cause he really doesn't need it for me, but I love Clueless <laughs> Gamer. I yeah. will watch Clueless Gamer all day and all night. And they gave him an advanced copy of Super Smash Brothers, which is still totally in beta. They don't have anything ready. They don't have the box ready. Um, which was awesome because he played it. Um, the people on his team were super excited about it. It was a really good, fun little review of a very limited release uh, of just like seeing a couple of characters play in one unlockable. And I think that's clever. That's really good. That's knowing where your audience is going to and going there to try to get them excited about stuff. Okay, uh, but you're pointing out, like, what audience is watching Conan O'Brien? Gamers. Okay, but what? how old are those gamers? older but they have money to buy systems (laughs) they do but the future is also in the younger gamers getting hooked so that's the other interesting thing so i'm i'm curious um if ollie knows what his younger patients are actually playing on those when they're when they're playing on tablets and this is this is exactly the thing. Look, Nintendo uh, got us when when we were younger. Um, there was the Mario Brothers cartoon um, right before we started recording. A uh, friend of the show, Zucky, for, at Zucky's Corner, was telling me about Captain N, which was this show about this Nintendo universe that this guy gets sucked into. There was the Nintendo... Yeah serial system uh, <laughs> there was the the horrible super mario brothers movie um mm-hmm. N- nintendo was very much a part of um um the zeitgeist for a very long time and my fear really is about whether or not um the younger generations now uh, you're right connor these kids that are playing on their tablets what games are they playing and i don't see those young kids being um as exposed to nintendo as necessarily uh, the three of us are, where we do have this nostalgia, where we love Clueless Gamer, where we, we wa- we're the ones watching Conan, we're the ones who are playing the retro games, we're jailbreaking our phones so we can get these illegal emulators on because we love Mario that much. Um, you know, think about it. If, if Nintendo did release the original Mario Brothers um, into the App Store on Android and iOS, boom, it, it would be... Yeah. Newbie number one. You're completely right. And I think that is the one place that they are totally shooting themselves in the foot. And it makes me so upset because it's the same freaking problem HBO is having with Game of Thrones. I would toss money at HBO for Game of Thrones if they just sell me that one show. But no, I have to sign up and become an HBO person who has cable, which I don't. And it's the same thing with Nintendo. Even if they just had a Nintendo app that I could get on my iPhone. I would pour money into that thing for in-app purchases. I would be like, heck yes, I'm going to pay you for all the games I used to have so I can play them while I'm sitting on the go train for like an hour every day. Um, But they'll never do it. I just don't see them doing it. I wish they would. I'm with you on that. And I think that is one of the main sticking points to them prospering in the future where it is phone gaming that is what's really taking off. Conrad, we've caught up to the present. What do you think about venturing into the undiscovered country and heading into our infinite crossover chamber? Do 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 do. Bow 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 b
Um, so Moira and I had a bet before we yeah. began. <laughs> <laughs> we may have had a bet going. <laughs> what was the bet? The bet was whether what theme song you would do at this moment in time, and Moira won the bet. <laughs> we, we also figured you would sing. We knew there'd be singing somehow. Well, what what what, what did you bet, Conrad? I thought you were going to do the no. That's going to be my outro. Oh, now I got to think about something else. Oh man. Oh, I love I love Nintendo. They don't do voice acting well, but they sure do do. Oh yeah. You know. Horrible little catchy tunes, beautifully. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, I will also say, when we were in Japan, Moira and I actually had a crossover in Japan, a very brief but fascinating <laughs> crossover, where we went to a gothic steakhouse in Tokyo. True. Um, and while we were there, what you notice is that when the trains are coming, there's different tones to tell you when the trains are coming into the station, when they're leaving, I think perhaps what line, but I didn't get that deep into that detail. And suddenly all the Nintendo sound effects made sense after I yeah. heard these tones at the station. Oh, interesting. I recorded some of them. They're on my YouTube. I'll send it over. But um, <laughs> all right, are we doing this? Are we doing yeah, this battle? So, so Conrad, um, what is in our infinite crossover chamber today? Uh, in our crossover chamber is Nintendo versus PlayStation. Only the strong shall, shall survive. Or which <laughs> which one do uh, Moira and Ali think will survive? Because I'm going to remain somewhat of an impartial judge or just kind of a not informed judge. So, <laughs> so you guys, go for it. Like Highlander, there can only be one. And Dragonheart, I am the last one. Um, so, uh, all right, let's open up this debate. Um Moira, this was really um, your uh, your idea, and it seems like you you thought Nintendo and PlayStation would be the natural companies to to compare. Well, they are both Japanese companies, and I do think that that cultural origin has some serious um, impact on the way that they think and the way that they are playing the game. Um, Nintendo is the old revered master in the corner they were established in 1889 they're playing the long game you know in the 1960s they made a radical decision to move away from just electronics into toys and in the 1970s they were like okay let's go to video games and now they're doing some sort of mysterious movement into like non-wearable technology and like quality of life whatever that means um so they're, they're gamblers, but they've got a lot of experience under their belt. Sony is the new kid. They were established in 93, uh, 1993, not 1893. And they have a lot of other things on their plate. They're still manufacturing electronic products. They're still making televisions. They're still making laptops. They make all sorts of stuff, cameras um, and phones. And so it, it'll be interesting to see going forward. I think Nintendo has a future. I believe in Nintendo. And I think one of the things that a lot of people denigrate about Nintendo is the nostalgia factor. They say, oh, when did Nintendo really create a new character? Um, I don't know that that's what Nintendo's all about. I don't think they're about building new characters. I think they're about taking the existing characters that they know people love, making them fresh for each new generation, and getting into the idea of the gameplay. Like, really, how are you enjoying these characters? How do we make them new? What do we put them into? How do we let you become them? Um, so 
I believe in Nintendo. I think Nintendo can outlast Sony, partly because I had two Sony laptops and one camera die on me. And I, <laughs> I still have a functioning Nintendo 64 sitting downstairs and up until like three years ago, an NES. So those things are durable, man. They last. Well, I, I, I'm having flashbacks to the uh, viral campaign for The Dark Knight. I want to believe in <laughs> Nintendo. I think that's and, X-Files you're thinking of. <laughs> oh, well, there's X-Files too. Um, uh, I, I want to believe here, and maybe I am the uh, scully to your molder, um, and we'll see what side uh, uh, Conrad falls on. Um, I, I think you're right. Th- these are interesting companies, um, and it's, it's right to throw Xbox out of this debate because Xbox is a very American video game system. Um, their biggest titles are are these sports games and these shooters. Um, and we see just more of that coming from Xbox. Xbox is interesting because they've also done some experimentation and they're investing in connect. And, um, part of me just wishes we could have sort of connect and Nintendo, um, have a child and see what that system would be like. Mm. Um, cause I think that would be, these are really interesting technologies that are playing out. Um, but, but Xbox is, you know, they do things a little bit differently. Um, one of the things that, um, you you mentioned here when we're thinking about what to do in the debate is this idea of parent companies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the diversity of, uh, Sony, versus the diversity of Nintendo. Um, Sony makes a lot of stuff. As you mentioned, your, your, some of those items broke, and I, too, had um, a Sony camera, a CyberShot, one of the originals that no longer works, um, and it, Sony makes TVs, and they make um, small devices and large devices, and they used to be considered one of the best brand names around back in the 90s. Um, not so much anymore. Um, and Sony also did a lot of proprietary stuff. They had their memory sticks instead of, um, you know, more flash-based stuff. They, they had the Sony um, mini discs instead of CDs. They've always kind of... Uh, yeah, they're very proprietary. Very, very proprietary. Yeah, and they've done some of the experimentation, which I think Nintendo has also done. But Sony is a diversified company. They can still survive if the PlayStation fails. Um, Nintendo, on the other hand, has the Wii U, and they have um, they have the DS line, the 3DS. That's about it. Um, they don't. They they do make some arcade games. You can play Mario Kart in the arcade. Um, I think in America, pretty much Dave and Buster's is the only place you can find that. Um, but I think they make more of that stuff in in um, in uh, elsewhere in the world. Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, Nintendo has outlasted Sega. <laughs> they have outlasted Atari. They are the company that many consider to have saved video gaming from being just a fad. Um, they're the company that is continuing to try to reinvent the way games work. Although Microsoft is doing that a little bit now with the Xbox, and PlayStation is trying to develop more Oculus Rift type technology. Um, they're also the company that has innovated with controllers um, and, and changed the way those things work. I don't, I don't know here. Um, I don't see Sony doing too much innovation in their gaming. I think a lot of the Sony games are also available on Xbox, and Nintendo has more primary titles. Um, I think Nintendo fans are much more fans of their system than Sony fans are. 
I think Sony fans like the Sony and they like how you don't have to pay for online services as you do on Xbox. But beyond that, I don't really hear from many Sony fanboys. Um, um, Josue Cardona, a friend of the show from the Geek Therapy podcast, he likes to tell me about how Sony customer service was really nice to him and Xbox customer service wasn't when he got the red, red ring of death. And that's why he's a Sony fan now. But you don't. You don't hear about so many people going, oh, Sony just, you know, Crash Bandicoot, man. I mean, wow, like amazing games. Um, so there isn't a lot of innovation, innovative games coming out of Sony. There is Nintendo, but I still have these fears. I think you should vote with your heart and your wallet and just go out there and, you know what, buy a Wii U. Tell, tell your partner, your fiancé, that you're getting it for Mario Kart 8. She'll just be like, that's cool, man. <laughs> and, uh, you know, bring it on home. Like, vote, vote for the one that you know you love. Um, I, I think that nostalgia is, it's worth something. It's worth something to you. And it's like, if I have friends over to my house and they've got little kids, I can feel comfortable parking them in front of a Nintendo and being like, put whatever you want in it, kids. It's going to be fine. Um, and knowing that they'll have a good time. Whereas I would not feel that comfortable with a PlayStation. Um, I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I use my PlayStation plenty. I definitely use it for streaming media. Um, but it does need constant updates. That's a thing. Like every damn time I turn it on, it's like, excuse me, 84 megabyte update will take 65 (laughs) hours. And I'm like, Oh no. Um, this doesn't happen that frequently on the Wii U. It did when we first bought it, obviously, but um, I didn't have that problem with the Wii very often. I, I think they've got longevity on their side. I think they've stuck around through two world wars. I think they can stick around a little longer. I vote Nintendo. I'm very afraid of the, the younger generation. I think we're losing that generation to other forms of gaming over console gaming. And I, I don't know if the three of us um, are enough to keep the Wii U afloat. 2015 is going to be the test. Now, lots of games coming out, but lots of games that depend on a little bit of nostalgia. Um, I will probably pick up the Wii U. I probably will. Um, do it. Do it. <laughs> I'll probably make it so. But I wonder if if kids are going to. And I, I think there's I think the, the quote unquote hardcore gamers, again, whatever that is, um, they will buy a Sony or they will buy an Xbox. And those the the Ubisofts of the world, the um, all those other companies, they're going to continue making games for both those platforms. And th- both those platforms have been doing just fine. And Sony's pretty diversified. Um if we're talking about what company is going to survive, I think place Sony as a company is more diversified um, and they will probably survive long into the future. If we're talking about what gaming systems are going to survive, um, Nintendo's doing more interesting stuff. Um, but And then PlayStation just kind of there. But no one's really talked about PlayStation being in danger, whether it was with the PS1, to the PS2, the PS3, or now the PS4. Um, so I don't know. I think the future is uncertain for Nintendo. I feel like you just shook the eight ball and it came up, cannot tell you at this time. I feel like yeah. that's what you just done. That, that, that's where I'm voting. Yeah. Oh, I will say one quick thing before um, I, I just shut off on this, which was the Amiibos. I didn't talk about these. Have you, have you guys heard about these? They're like little that's toys. The, yeah. I don't know how it works, but that's one oh. of their, ga- their gambles. 
I'm not sure they know how it works either. To me, it looks like a big USB key that your dog or toddler is going to like chew on and then you're going to lose it behind your sofa in like a day. And that's the one thing where I'm like, where are you going with this? Stop. that! It's ridiculous. That's, that's my that's my fear here, Moira. I don't know if they know where they're going with this. I think they're they're like, oh, iPads are really popular. Let's make a tablet. Let's make a new system around this. Um, and and I worry about the strategic plan here for for Nintendo. The future is uncertain. Well, I I think that Nintendo has very rabid fans, and that's true. And if they could just tweak a few different things, they could ensure their longevity forever. But I feel like they're unwillingness to do so is what is going to shoot them in the foot. Um, I am excited to see these new things that are coming out. They, they Everybody's very excited for 2015. Um, there, there's been some interesting press and things like that in marketing, as, as Moira has pointed out. But the future of this is to get people, it's, it's sorry, but it, it's to get them hooked on it when they're young. And yes, it's appropriate for children to play now. But they also, children want to play this the way they they play all games. And at this point, even my three-year-old nephew uses the iPad to play games yeah, or the iPhone. And he knows how to use them. That's what he's comfortable doing. I just don't see him as a four-year-old plugging into a console and playing a game at this point. I mean, maybe he would if you set him up to do it. But generally, when he's when he's playing games, he's playing them sitting on the couch or in the car or whatever. And I think without that flexibility, um, I worry a little bit for Nintendo. I keep wanting to end this with Hadouken. Yeah, I know. <laughs> sure, you can. Ooh, we'll um, win. <laughs> but anyway, I think it's uncertain as well at this point. Although, hopefully. Die. We'll be able to change our prediction maybe after Comic Con. Guys, you gotta believe. You gotta believe. I believe. I, I I want to believe, but I guess this this crossover is ending in a in a question mark, and that makes Perhaps me sad. A question mark block that when you punch it, a yeah. fire flower will come out <laughs> yeah, yeah. or a star. <laughs> We have no clue what's getting what's going to pop out of that. Is it a mushroom? Is it going to be that cool raccoon thing? Is it a raccoon thing? What's the thing that lets you fly? The tanuki suit. Yes. Okay, so my my closing argument for positive thinking would have to be every time in Nintendo when you punch the question marks, something good comes out the top. It's never something bad. It's always good. I let's 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 leave on that note. Um, (laughs) So, dear listeners, let us know um, who you think will survive Nintendo or PlayStation. Um, We'd love to hear from you. And with that, we're going to close the doors on the infinite crossover chamber. Do 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 boom boom. Very nice. Thank you. Um, and with that, as we enter the castle and have completed the level, um, let's uh, take the warping pipe straight into our top five Nintendo products. So um, we had really no rules here, except um, we're going to be ranking things that were made by Nintendo. So this could be a console, it could be a video game system, it could be something else. Um, how did you guys come up with your top five list? Um. Well, mine don't necessarily involve everything that Nintendo actually made. So, Oh, interesting. Cool. I may have agonized about this for several hours last night while drinking an entire pot of tea. So 
yeah, it was tough. It was tough making a call. I have loved so many things so long. Um, and I had to rule some stuff out, but uh, in the end I, I decided to go on personal loves, like things that have meant a lot to me, not things that I think are necessarily politically motivated. Like I could have picked Metroid Prime because of Samus, because, you know, I'm a woman and yay, but just stuff that I loved. That's how I picked yeah, I, I also went with uh, things that were important to me combined with a little bit of um, what what was really big for the industry of video games. Um, so let's let's go ahead and get started here. Um, Moira, as our guest, why don't you start things off? Um, what is your number five? Ooh, all right. My number five would have to be Super Paper Mario for the Wii. <laughs> and my reason behind this is that it is, I think, a great nod both to the past and to the future, which is a very Japanese thing to do. Um, it respects the 2D side-scroller history of Nintendo, and you get a really fun game there. And then it flips you, literally, into 3D, and suddenly um, your controller can do whole different things, you can do different things, you can move through the space sideways and see what's hiding behind the blocks, and it's just a fantastic multi-dimensional adventure um, it's not too hard, so I don't feel like I'm beating my head against a wall. And it's the classic characters in what I think is one of their best modern guises. I loved it. Good pick. Uh, it's it's one of my uh, one of my favorites. It's just so uh, it's just so visually beautiful too. Um, good good one, Conrad. What do you got? <laughs> you guys, I really have nothing for this. This is totally true. <laughs> I was making it all up. I'm I'm only going to have one. Well, I will have two choices here. Um, one is Tetris. Love it. Because yeah. it's just, you know, the game I play. Um, but this is not, you know, all of my Nintendo favorite things have to do from like the, the 80s. So... So that's where I'm going to go here. I'm going to let you guys carry this top five. You can you can fire off with the nostalgia, Conrad. I think that's just fine, fine <laughs> with us. Tetris is, how about, Tetris is awesome. How about you, Ollie? Um, my number five is Nintendo Power magazine. Um, here's why I went with Nintendo Power. Now, it's a magazine that existed for 24 years, 285 issues. Um, and and you have them all in your basement, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, I, there's certain issues like I, I remember the cover and I remember what it looked like. Um, well, it, so, it, you know, it obviously folded with the collapse of the of the magazine industry. And, you know, while I grew up reading Nintendo Power and Game Pro and Electronic Gaming Monthly, um, the, the thing about Nintendo Power was it helped to create the sense of community before we had the internet and i always look forward to getting my nintendo power because not only was it a preview of what's to come and that was kind of the only way to really know and to be up to date on e3 because they didn't really report on e3 in in the news or anything like that um so the magazines were kind of your link to this larger world of what's coming but then also this this community of gamers and cheats and tricks and things that people find out and um and drawings they had this section where you could submit drawings and fans would share their stuff. It was a really cool way just to feel connected with other Nintendo fans. So I, I often look forward to my Nintendo power. And um, as much as the internet is better than, than print and magazines, I, I still miss it. Print is dead, baby. Print is dead. 
Uh, I heard that one before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Egon. In Ghostbusters three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that you should be embarrassed. Maybe a little. Oh bit. man, this is gonna oh, haunt me forever. Oh, <laughs> haunt me to my grave, Conrad. This is gonna haunt me. I had to say it. I had to say it. Sorry. I know. I know. People this will never I... forget. <laughs> I'll no. just, I'll just save you by going to number four. So my number four would be Donkey Konga for the GameCube. Um, I know it's an unusual choice, but I just have to say. I am really not that coordinated, and so I have a hard time. My girlfriends regularly destroy me at Guitar Hero such that I don't even enjoy it anymore. But Donkey Konga has all of the band nerd kind of rhythmic fun without any of the actual, like, calorie burning of having to dance or stand up. Um, And it's super fun. And I have had so many nights, like, sitting around my living room, um, just, like, drinking some beers, hanging out with some friends. I had a great night with my friend James where we played all the songs, um, rock lobster, best song on there. And I don't know, I, I have a love hate relationship with Nintendo and their peripherals because on the one hand, they have cluttered up my homes with their crap to the point that I should probably be on a special episode of like gamer only hoarders. But at the same time, (laughs) bongos, man, that's a ridiculous thing to make. And they just were like, yeah, well, we're Nintendo. We're going to go out on a limb and do this. Um, and I loved it. I thought it was super fun. Cool. Good pick. Good pick. Um, I'll go next. My my number four is the Nintendo 64. Um, and here's why it's my number four. Um, I think the, the control, the controller was a um, absolute breakthrough for 3D gaming. And it was a huge step forward into how to make 3D games work. A lot of other people were doing games that looked 3D and kind of simulated 3D. And they were, you know, three axes. Um, but Nintendo was the one that said, OK, well, hold on. Let's make it an open world. You can look up and down. And Miyamoto gets credit here as well as Super Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time. Um, but the, the the system was also the first one to have uh, four-player gaming built in. Um, it had the rumble packs. It had, um, with, you know, GoldenEye and the first four-player Mario Kart. These, this is where we really got um, into the whole world of party gaming and having a bunch of people over, being able to do split screen on those old CRT TVs that now I kind of think back and I'm like, how did we do four four-player split screen on these small TVs. But um, it all kind of came together with Nintendo 64, and I think that was um, a huge step forward for uh, for gaming. I feel like we should give one to Conrad. Um, there's a number four that would be appropriate for you, but I bet you've never played it. Have you tried Puzzle Quest? No. Oh, you should do it. You'll love it. And Is you it? can actually get it for your phone. I'm not I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed that, you know, all of mine involved the things I played like in the eighties. It's okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> It was a great decade. It was, it was. Uh the NES system, the classic. Um did either of you have the um Super Nintendo? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we had both of those, but we stopped there. So that was where we stopped. But in any case, I'm going to go with the NES, the classic. It changed my life. We had fun. My, my It was a bonding time between myself and my siblings. Um, and it was it was just a cool time. And, you know, that music never leaves your head. Oh, so true. So many Con- indie tunes. Conrad, that's my number one. Ooh. 
So, no, I I totally agree with you. I I think that NES deserves to be on this list because it is what shifted gaming from arcade-based short-term gaming to the long-form way that we know it now. So, uh, totally love the NES. I didn't have it, um, but I played it at my cousin's. Um, Awesome system. I feel like um, it's pretty interesting that all of my choices, whether consciously or unconsciously, were software-based and not hardware, Um, even though I've owned every system pretty much that they've put out. Um, Because my number three is Chibi Robo for GameCube, which is a game that I guess that very few people outside of Japan have played since uh, the entirety of the game is sort of you like cleaning up the house for points, I guess, which would be really boring to a North American audience. Uh, But it is one of the most creative games I think I've ever seen in my life. You start off as this tiny robot and you go around the house and it's got, um, you, you work for the family who lives there cleaning up like after their dog and washing dishes and stuff like that. But you're really small. So all the cleaning you do is with like a toothbrush and stuff like that. That is a super sadistic game, Moira. No, but it's actually beautiful <laughs> because Chibi Robo defeats like monsters in the house for them while they're sleeping and helps fix their old robot butler, who I guess was broken and living in the basement, which was sad. And I, ca- I can't give you spoilers about the plot of the game because there's actually a beautiful reveal at the end. But every. I, I can't even imagine what spoiler you would give me for this game. And like <laughs> butterflies come out from the floor. And now every time I'm mopping, I just hear that music in my head and I can see like little pink butterflies all around me. And it's, it's improved cleaning for me. So that helps. Hmm. But it is honestly, it, read about it on Wikipedia. The plot is bonkers and it's got some incredible visuals. And I think that the character of Television, who was the helper in that game, is the precursor to the hugely annoying Bonita from Nintendo Land. Um, so it, I think they pulled a lot of current ideas out of that game. Cool. Yeah. I, I also just like that the name is Chibi Robo because it sounds super adorable. Chibi Robo, <laughs> it, it has two sequels as well. True story. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's so many games that just uh, that just don't make the the jump to America. Um, Conrad, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, because it's a game I love playing. Classic. You don't need to defend it. I'm it's not going to defend it. I'm just going to let it stand as it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have at times enjoyed Mario Kart in the times that I have played it, which has not been many, and I. Basically, I've played it and I can see why it's so addictive, but um, I, I just can't get myself sucked into that right now. I get the feeling that's going to come up somewhere on Ollie's list, possibly oh. at number two. That's my guess. What? Um, Moira has has incredible powers. But uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Conrad, one of the things that is so amazing about Super Mario Brothers, I think it is probably the most emulated game out there its theme song is probably the most uh recognizable theme song in not just all video games but all of all media um it is such an iconic and cherished game and generations have enjoyed it and played it and modded it and emulated it um could we say it's probably one of the most successful video games of all time i think we could yeah let's let's say it um so there you go. Um, my number three is the Game Boy. 
Um, obviously, it was my first video game system, as I mentioned earlier. Um, it dominated the late 80s and 90s. Um, it w- even, even with, and here's why it needs to be on this list. Even with a technologically superior competitor in some ways with a color portable gaming system with a Game Gear and I think uh, uh, there was a TurboGrafx portable system too or something like that um even with color competitors the black and white system still won um and it you know it it is also the system not just that was home to tetris and um all of that but it launched pokemon red and blue which continues to be one of the most successful titles in in nintendo's uh arsenal of games um i love this system so much it was just um very treasured part of my childhood and have you guys seen the the kids react to game boy video i was just about to bring this up (laughs) so what's this video conrad uh it's and they do this with a bunch of things and different you know basically older technology and they have these kids try it out and talk about what they think about it and you know these generally the kids you know some of them are like cool and they want to play it more but most of them are just like what what is the point of this yeah, 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 it's kids now um, being handed a Game Boy, and they're like, "Ah, uh, wh- I don't understand." And there's one kid; he's my favorite kid, and he's like, "I could get this game. This Tetris game's pretty cool." <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that kid's trying to make the the person giving him the game feel better. Um, no, no, you know what? It's just kids like games; they like playing things. But you know what I like is when they start giving them the accessories to how you know. Do you know like the magnifying glass accessory and everything to help you play? Yeah, I like the one kid who was like, "Why wouldn't you just use a regular magnifying glass and a flashlight?" And I was like, "Have you thought that through, kid? Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, you only yeah. have two hands, man." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they're so angered. They're so angry when they find out that you can't really play it at at night. Um, And, you know, that's also an interesting thing about Nintendo. They didn't really add a backlit screen to their portable gaming systems until way late in the game. Uh, But we still love them. So that's the Game Boy. Um, Heading into number two, I'm just going to give away mine because Moira totally called it. Number two is Mario Kart. Um, Knew it. And oh, how, how, how did you know? My mind, it sees things. <laughs> it's like Sauron's eye it kind of sees all, but doesn't really like. I was kind of hoping so- more like the Kwisatz Hatterach, like it sees into the future Ooh. with the spice. I don't know. Sauron's a little spooky. Oh, I can go with the spice. That's a, that kind of ties into last week's episode a little bit with posthumanism. Um, Mario Kart is number two for me because I'm just going to say it right here. It is the best multiplayer game ever made. Here's why. Um, if you are a Conrad, are you are you smirking at my I my am, bold statement? I am a little bit. Go ahead. Well, let me defend myself. Um, Here's why I think it's the best multiplayer game ever made. If you are a a newcomer to this game, you can get in, you can get some items, you can get the lightning, you can get the chomp chomp, you can shoot off a a blue shell, um, and you can get that that infinity or infinite or the eight and the new one, and really catch up and have a chance of going from twelfth to to at least a top four. Um, However, if you 
you are a expert, if you are someone who's been playing this game for a long time, there are ways and techniques and advanced strategies that you can implement. So I think it's one of the only games out there that allows new people um, as well as um, huge fans of this game to be able to play it together. And for that, it's an honest, it's an awesome game. Um, I also love the honest trailer for Mario Kart. If you guys haven't seen this, it, it is one of those games that people get so into it that it can like temporarily ruin relationships and friendships when someone gets a blue shell and gets hit right before they're about to finish that level. And it's, it's happened to me. Um, it's happened to me many times and it's, um, People re- really get into it, and it's, it's a crowd pleaser. Well, um, my number two is Wii Sports for Wii. Um, I got to say, I, it was the thing that changed my mind about the Wii motes because I was a little verklempt when they came out, and it wasn't exactly like the old controller that I wanted, and I had to point it at the screen. I was all like, meh. But I had some fantastic evenings of raucous laughter playing Wii Bowling and Wii Tennis um, there are some very embarrassing videos that I do not think have made it to YouTube of <laughs> myself and several other people, all of whom have, you know, important jobs in important firms. And <laughs> we're just peeing ourselves laughing. Um, fake bowling with no bowling ball or fake playing tennis with no tennis racket. And like there are six or seven spectators watching us and they're also laughing. <laughs> so it's just it's such a social thing. And you never get that with console gaming. Like you can sit down and watch somebody, and I have, play through, you know, 65 hours of Dragon Age or 75 hours of Skyrim. Um, but it's not really a spectator sport in the same way. And I don't know. I think Wii Sports is a, a glimpse into what I hope the future of Nintendo will look like. Okay. Good pick. Yeah. Conrad, do you have a number two for us? My number two is The Legend of Zelda. the original yeah the original um you know it's it's still this game that um it's it's fun to play i won't say where i play it but it's fun um and (laughs) it's you know it's still that that's one of these things that i am super nostalgic about and you still remember the different tricks even if you haven't played it for a very long time yeah, it's I mean, we talked about it. It's it's it was the first real long form story, complicated game. So um, good pick. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say my uh, my number one is probably going to come out of left field because I think Ollie, you've already revealed yours in a sort of sneak preview. Um, I had to pick the game that makes me look like a competent gamer. So (laughs) the only one that I can confidently be like, you know, I could probably beat you with this repeatedly. And that would be Dr. Mario. I don't care whether it's for the NES, the Nintendo 64, the DSi downloadable, the Wii Store downloadable. I love it. It is the simplest game. It's little colored pills dropping into a bottle. Mario is dressed up like a doctor with, uh, you know, a white lab coat And there are three viruses at the bottom. One's blue, one's red, one's yellow. And you have to kill them by basically just stacking similarly colored pills on top of one another. And it it sounds easy, but there are 20 levels. There's a couple extra spaceship levels with little aliens that are fantastic. If you're really good, you unlock them. And I don't know. It's the thing I played in high school, and my girlfriends and I were amazing at it. And I'll never be that good at a video game again because my fast twitch is just (laughs) degrading over time. So (laughs) Dr. Mario for the win. My favorite game of all time. Nice. 
My, my, my number one is not actually a Nintendo product, but it's actually something that Moira made. <laughs> oh, what? This Aww. is something that's been on the sh- mentioned on the show yes. before. Conrad, for those who haven't heard, what is this beautiful oh, creation? We will add a, a link in the show notes. But uh, this creation is a Super Mario Brothers 8-bit quilt that Moira designed and made and then very wonderfully auctioned off. Um, was it at Penny Arcade, Moira? Or was it... It was for um, the Child's Play charity, which gives money to various children's hospitals around the world. And uh, yeah, I was shocked. And, and I have a request to make about it because it sold at auction for more than I thought it was going to. I actually misquoted. It was $4,000, which is crazy. Wow. So in my mind's eye, I have this vision that it was either um, Will Wheaton who bought it, maybe. Or like, <laughs> I don't know who was at the auction, but they won't tell me who took it home. Oh, and I, wow. I, I'm like, could it have been Miyamoto-san? Was he there? <laughs> Did he buy it? So if anyone knows, please write into the show. I want to know if you've got my quilts. Let, um, let's, let's just go with Will Wheaton and Miyamoto having a auction battle to buy that quilt because I oh, love that idea. That is so cool. Dreamy. Best image. <laughs> and it also uh, by the way had like this super cool little pocket that had a pillow coin that you could put into the pocket that's right coin pillow i i was going to do star as well but then you know i decided to just draw the line <laughs> well my number one was uh the nintendo entertainment system but um before we get to honorable mentions i want to I, one thing i do want to mention here is i put out a call on facebook and twitter to see what everyone else thought and if they had recommendations and you guys we got so many messages back i can't even read them all but um uh, it, it's an incredibly um I am so surprised at the number of people who have such strong feelings and such love of Nintendo. Um, and there's there's just so many things that we could draw from. So um, what didn't make the cut for you guys? What what came close? What are your honorable mentions? Hmm. Well, I said Metroid Prime already because, again, Samus. And the only reason it didn't make it was because... I hate to say it, but I prefer Halo for multiplayer shooting things because I like having friends around me when I'm fighting creepy aliens in a space base. (laughs) Um, Puzzle Quest for DS I adore, but Dr. Mario had to take that place. Uh, WarioWare is really good. Raymond's Raving Rabbids. It uses toilet plungers as a weapon. That's amazing. Those were sort of my near misses. <laughs> Conrad, did you have any honorable mentions? Or are you just oh, no. struggling I mean, to I come would up say, with five? I would say Game Boy and, you know, that that kind of thing. I thought about putting it on the list, but I, I left it to the things that I could really talk about, and there wasn't all that much. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, got, I've got just a few here. Uh, the Wii... Um, it's the only video game system I um, I tried to get at launch and was unsuccessful, um, but did get it, end up getting it soon after launch. Um, we already talked about it, but the Nintendo Power Glove, just for how cool the idea is. Um, Rob, robotic operating buddy. Uh, <laughs> he's on my honorable mention. Uh, the original Donkey Kong arcade game. And then uh, the Super Mario Brothers car- cartoon. Oh, um, 
I had the exact same problem you did with the wheat. I really did. I actually literally bought it from a guy almost off the back of a truck because <laughs> they were sold out. I couldn't get it. And I knew someone who was selling one secondhand and like they drove up on the street and I paid for it in cash and they handed it to me out of their car. I was like, this feels really sketchy. <laughs> in Canada, it, you did this? In Canada, I did this. It's true. In the streets, the seedy streets of Toronto. Um, but yeah, it was, it was absolutely sold out everywhere. I tried and people were selling it on eBay. It was crazy. Yeah. Uh, it, it was very overpriced on eBay and it just, uh, it was a system to get and you just couldn't. Yeah. I, I almost wanted to put on my list a thing that Nintendo never made, but maybe will now that they've got the, uh, Yoshi knitting game coming out. They had a peripheral. Have you guys heard about this? In 2012, I think, uh, Kotaku came out with a story about it. The Nintendo knitting machine where you could <laughs> like plug it into your NES and it would like knit sweaters for you, but you could make the patterns as part of a video game. You're and make, you're I, making this up. So I not only so are they not only are they going to make a holodeck, but they're also now making a replicator. Basically, they're making your clothes. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, I'm not making it up. I will make sure the link is included in the uh, in the links. But it's it's a real thing. They were going to make it, and it just didn't fly. Well, speaking of links, um, thank you so much for joining us today, Moira. We had so much fun nerding out about Nintendo with you. Um, where can people find more of your work on the internet? Um, well, I am pipe streams all over the internet and on Wii U. So, you know, you can go send me messages or try to play any video game with me. You're going to beat me unless it's Dr. Mario. Um, so I'm at pipestreams.org. That's where my blog is. And also I record audiobooks on LibriVox. So you can listen to more of my dulcet tones there. Um, lots of Jane Austen, some Sun Tzu, some Canadiana, that sort of thing. Oh, and I'm on Twitter as pipe streams as well. So awesome. Uh, Conrad, where can people find you this week? This week they can find me on Twitter. I'm Die Prince on there and also on my undead podcast, Reanimated with Stuart Tiffin. And that is reanimatedpodcast.com. And on Twitter, we are Reanimated PCAST. Awesome. And I am uh, this week, um, if you listen to this episode before, um, I'll be at San Diego Comic Con. You can come check out the Psychology of Cult TV panel on Thursday night, as well as the episode four of Star Trek, uh, of the Psychology of Star Trek versus Star Wars. Uh, that'll be on Saturday. And um, in the meantime, if you're listening to this many years from now um, and you know what's happened to Nintendo, please let us know, I guess. Um, but in in the meantime, you can find me at brainknowsbetter.com, where I talk about the psychology of science fiction. And on Twitter, I'm at Ali Matu. And Conrad, next week, we'll be talking about San Diego Comic-Con. And, oh, well, uh, you will. And I will be jealously asking you to recap every detail. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there will be plenty for us to talk about. Um, uh, Moira. Thank yes. you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Um, I hope that I didn't say anything to enrage any fans, but uh, all I can say is my love for Nintendo must have shone through. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, nerd rage happens, Moira. It's all good. I, 
I did want to fully disclose, I have never worked for Nintendo, uh, nor do I now. Um, but my partner and I did pull together in our concern about Nintendo and bought a whole 10 shares of Nintendo stock. So if this podcast results in any additional sales, you could increase my net worth potentially by pennies. <laughs> that could happen. <laughs> Except that in my country, we've actually just gotten rid of the penny. So it's actually a totally moot point. We don't have pennies anymore in Canada. <laughs> They're done now. Um, so that's my parting thing thank you so much for having me Um, and yeah I'll tune in next week for San Diego so until then live long and prosper indeed come on sing us out Ollie sing us out let's do a mashup here I can only do Dr. Mario (laughs) 